Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Okay, I understand this isn't necessarily a listener question that we're going to go over. However, I have gotten this question so many times, which is, what do I take on the go? If I need a quick snack, if I need something to keep me satiated and actually keep me full so that my blood sugar levels aren't spiking and crashing, my energy isn't crashing, and I'm not just suddenly needing the bread or the sugar, what do I do? And something that Dom and I have been doing, we've been traveling for six months now, <laughs> and it's been a lot, but we rely on having Paleo Valley beef sticks with us all the time. And Dom loves the bars. I personally love the beef sticks more. They're 100% grass-fed. They taste delicious, and I take my time eating it, so I really feel satiated, and I'm not getting those crashes. I know that I can trust the ingredients. Paleo Valley really does a great job in sourcing well ingredients that actually are coming from whole food sources so that you're fulfilling your body and you're actually putting good things in. And it's so easy to just take on the go. Now, if you haven't checked them out, I highly recommend just go to the link in our show notes, use code optimal at checkout. You get 15% off your order and you get to experience the deliciousness that is Paleo Valley that you can take on the go in the car, on a flight, just having at work. Highly, highly recommended. So this will be a fun episode. We've done one kind of Q&A episode, but this one we just put question boxes out on the Instagram stories and let some questions flow in. And we're going to choose about three of them each and just answer them. Might be about the body, might be about us, might be about mindset. We'll see what comes at us. Yeah. I love doing this, one, because I get to say, oh, we've done a podcast on that. Like, here's yeah. here's the link and I can refer you back to it because I know sometimes it's hard. Like, we've mm -hmm. done well over 100 podcasts now where, <laughs> you know, it's getting pretty up there. So there's a lot to look through. We're yeah. also restructuring. I will just add this little tidbit in. Um, there's actually categories on the side as well. So you don't just have to yeah. like scroll through the long list of podcasts that we have, but you can pick based on the category of what you might be having in your body and find podcasts that way. Yeah, pretty cool development there because forever it's just been us being like, oh yeah, go back and listen to episode 27 for plantar fasciitis or episode whatever for yeah. 10 for you know knee or 11 for breath. And now you can just go right to the category and in some aspects you can just search for the topic and yeah. it might show you if we have a podcast on that. So that'll be cool because we're getting up there in number of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and so the topics that we've covered are growing and um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But why don't we dive into some questions? Did you get any interesting ones that you'd want to answer first? Um, Sure. Let's see. Like I was trying to just scroll through and... um find some for sure. I mean, again, a lot we've answered. So I will say go to that website and try to see if, you know, the podcast is there. I promise it is. <laughs> um, but one that I did like, and I think a lot of people hear a lot of this kind of stuff is ankle mm. popping. Is it something to be concerned about? Mm. I think that's a good one because we've covered crepitus in the knees so like, like that sound mm. that you hear if you're squatting or lunging so we've covered that in the knees we've covered hip popping but we haven't 
exactly covered ankle popping. Chronic ankle rolls um, has come out just recently. So yeah. that's one that we also have covered. But yeah, the specific noise. I don't know what it is about. Well, I do know what it is about <laughs> the noise that concerns people. Yeah, you know, when your body starts making crazy noises, if it's something that you don't think you should be making noises during, like jumping or running, it kind of freaks us out a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. why are my ankles making all these popping noises? I think one of the first things that we need to ask ourselves is, is it painful? If so, how painful? Is it preventing me from doing that task or that activity because it's so uncomfortable or painful? Has it limited any of our ranges of motion? Does it seem like it is stopping any of our certain ranges? If all of those answers are no, um, then again, it, it might be a pretty benign or not a super significant popping noise. Again, our, yeah. our joints can make noises for any number of different reasons. And I don't even want to start naming all of the bones and tendons and ligaments down in the foot and ankle that could make certain little popping noises. Exactly. But if we're talking like directly in the ankle and I do it a lot, like I'll wake up and I just like move my ankles and I'll get like some good pops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's really, I'm just starting to wake up the joint and I'm just starting to move and I'm changing different mm -hmm. pressures around that joint because it hasn't been moving, mm. you know, all throughout the night and I haven't been putting weight or pressure on it. And so I'm just dispersing pressures within my joint, mm. which is going to lead to a, it could lead to a cavitation or that popping sound. Mm -hmm. um, or say you haven't, you know, squatted down in a while and you squat down and you hear an ankle pop again. Like sometimes it's just that your your ankle hasn't been in that range of motion. And so now all of a sudden you you're changing the pressures and you're causing that cavitation and that pop. Not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, especially if it's not associated with pain. It's just mm -hmm. what your body your butt maybe you need to move a little bit more. <laughs> maybe you need to stretch those ankles a little bit more. Maybe you need to strengthen those ankles a little bit more. Like how much have you been putting attention into those ankles, I will say, and do you need to increase that range of motion? Yeah, and if we dive another layer deeper, like when in the motion is the pop happening? You know, is it when you go in a certain direction to the end range of motion and then push a little extra? Is that when this noise is happening? Is it just happening Every single step you take, you know, without fail, it clicks every time I step with my right foot. Is that when it's happening? Because that's, again, going to give us a little bit more information on, oh, when I go as far as I can passively go and then Pop. press a little extra, it pops versus it just happens regularly throughout this certain range of the motion. That's going to tell us, give us a little bit different information. Yeah. So I would say if it's more so at the end range, it's like maybe we need to increase that that ankle range of motion and that's yeah. that that strength at the end range so how much are you holding into that end range mm -hmm. of motion have you been stretching into that end range of motion i mean literally guys one of the easiest ways to do that is just like sitting in a squat all the way down and hanging yeah. on to something that you can hold on to why does our body keep telling us that it wants us to go there yeah and it wants us to go to that end range again and have that release or yeah. whatever it is you feel that you're getting when you get that pop Maybe if we start to just hang out in our end range of ankle dorsiflexion or ankles, feet coming up towards the shins, we might feel that need less because our mm -hmm. body's spending more time there. Mm -hmm. That could be a great way to assess that. So pops and clicks in the ankles. I mean, that's definitely something we could give a, a longer episode on or I talk know. about more specifics. But main rules are if it's 
not painful, if it's not causing locking or clicking or any obstruction of the joint range of motion, probably not something to be super concerned about. No. And remember that clicks and pops or things that are happening are not realigning bones and realigning structures. Your joints aren't jumping back into place. Things like that aren't happening. Um, Just cavitations, gas exchanges, and our body perceiving something different happening in that joint wherever in the ankle or foot that that's happening so all good keep moving perfect all right your turn next question (laughs) okay so i got this one that i kind of liked and you deal with this as a pt or as a movement coach all the time coaching people who are new to movement Mm. coaching people who haven't done exercise a lot how do you balance between drowning them with cueing and drowning them with, oh, no, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to activate your hips, move it, versus just letting their body learn the movement. Man, um, I think that's a tough one, especially if you're a new therapist or, <laughs> or coach or trainer. It's hard because you'll see people move and you'll want to fix every little thing, yeah. you know, but the way that you keep them actually coming back and excited to learn more is by giving them a little tiny bit over time. Um, if you overload someone, one, they might not want to do it again. They might feel stupid in their movement. They might, you know, there's so many different things. You might overwhelm them. It's just like, it's not worth over It's really not. That's one of the times that I shut down the most myself when I'm learning. Um, and people do it without recognizing it. And I'm quote, probably considered a higher level mover yeah. because, you know, people will see me move and say, oh, he can learn things quickly. But when I'm learning a movement and I have five different people yelling three different cues at me, like I shut down and I honestly will just say like, I'll try it later because I don't want to sit there and fumble and struggle over my movement as I'm trying to listen to and implement seven different things. Like my body also needs to learn at a certain pace. And so I definitely can can relate to that. And I know that I've done that to certain people, Mm -hmm. given them 20 cues in a row and confused the crap out of them. And then felt bad later that day being like, oh, I might have sent that person out of the session feeling like they weren't successful or feeling like they didn't succeed because I could have done better as the coach or the educator. So I think it's super valuable thing for PTs or movement coaches to learn young. If your person seems like they're having troubles catching on to cues, don't add more in, add take away you know take away become much more efficient and precise with your cueing yeah and give one or two rather than one or or two (laughs) i agree and then sometimes even like if you use your hands like tap on something that Mm. will like or like you know if you want their hips to come back like what if you tapped on the hips a little bit and it reminded Mm. them to like relax a certain point or to activate a certain point like sometimes that little tiny touch can can be a mm. cue in itself that it really helps to tell the person internally what they should be doing. Um, I was going to say something else about it as well. I've just, I've watched really amazing coaches where I think, well, why aren't you telling them that? And he says, oh, we're just going to fill out the, mu- the, the movement, you know? And sometimes I remember what I was going to say. If you just say, how does it feel? You know, ask them how they're feeling. Because if nothing's hurting, nothing's going weird, like allow them to keep going. Yeah. And even if you say, how does it feel? And then you say, do it slightly different. You don't tell them exactly what to change. You know, it almost gives them that permission to explore rather than saying, 
do this specifically. Yeah. And then if they aren't doing it, you say, no, 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 this is this. Like you're, you're promoting so much doubt within them as soon as you start to look for these new, new cues to go after. So yeah, I really like that. Just, just letting the movement happen can do so much more for a person than just barraging them with different cues and switching up the cues. I really like that point too. Not always verbal, using touch, showing them something showing themselves in a mirror mm -hmm. you know you don't always need more words or explanation you might need to just do it differently for that person yeah exactly one that i got does improving your mobility mean you won't have to get your body your body work done for you so mm -hmm. meaning like if i start doing these mobility things that you talk about <laughs> will you will i not have to go in for massages or Never again. You know, stuff like that is and you know what Every, in my personal opinion, quick response is going to be that it always depends. Every person is different. There's no one way to do anything. But yeah. if you've listened to our podcast, then you know that manual work is just promoting what, what you're feeling within the mm. body and to promote movement, right? It's not fixing anything. So I do believe that ultimately you can do the, the mobility and the strength training and the movement awareness on your own um i do still think touch is very valuable i think if you can't get into it with a ball or a foam roller mm -hmm. you know then going to see someone and especially if that someone helps to promote relaxation within the system that yeah. you're not able to get on your own mm. go see someone yeah i totally agree with that um touch can be so powerful whether done by somebody else or yourself yeah. with a tool uh, empowering yourself to find ways to do that touch again it's a tool that no isn't completely replaced by us doing things on our on our own it is slightly different when somebody else does it for you is it something that we could eventually work away from completely yeah absolutely that's an option is it something that you could keep as a part of your routine because you love it and it helps you feel like you get your body in the best ba most balanced place you can get great keep it in so it is something, like you said, it depends. And I think it depends on where your optimal is. If your optimal space is getting body work done once a month so that you just can feel good about it and connect with that massager or masseuse, massager, masseuse or body worker, you know, who you really like and who helps tap, you know, get you tapped into your body a little bit more, keep them in your schedule. Yeah. Just remember, no one else is fixing you, right? Mm -hmm. As magic as hands might feel, uh, no one's fixing you, but if they are helping to facilitate the access into your body so you can feel something different, then we're all about it. Absolutely. Let's dive in. Next question over here. So this is a fun one, a little bit away from body tips. Um, working with a spouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to break the stigma that couples shouldn't work together. So it sounds like this person is coming in with a little bit more of an agenda. <laughs> they they want to break the stigma that couples shouldn't work together. <laughs> And I suppose they think that we might have some something to say about that. <laughs> something or other. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. Rude. I'm right here. <laughs> um, you want to go? You can start. I mean, I'll I'm clean just... up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think it's been absolutely super fun to be able to work with my partner and absolutely I'm super, super fab i'm very grateful because <laughs> it is something okay one i never thought that i would be with a physical therapist and here we are physical therapists together mm -hmm. it's just someone who 
gets it, someone who understands the work that I'm doing, what I want to be yeah. like creating in this world and is only helping to bring that to fruition is absolutely amazing. And I will say that we work in different ways and we mm. tackle different structures within the business. So it's yeah. been super like for me, it's just been all around valuable and and connecting. So I love mm. it. You didn't think you'd end up with a PT because you didn't think you'd be able to handle when you were wrong. Oh, and wow. That was right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I would I would agree with that in a lot of aspects. And I would highlight that you say, like, we do things differently and we even think through things differently. And the way that we think is very different in some regards where when we talk through topics, we need to, you know, we have this opportunity to bounce things off each other and learn from each other. And if we say something different than the other would, you know, clarify and ask questions. And that just as a professional, as a PT, as a healthcare professional, like you should hope that you have somebody in your life that you can talk through topics and stuff on a weekly basis or more to challenge you in the way you think about certain things. So that's been super cool. And I just think it's only been able to add to the dynamic in how we work together in life because it just forces you to learn more about the other person, how they work best. I mean, asking your spouse about their workday is one thing, but helping to be there to facilitate the best environment for them to work well, to be a part of that successful workday, that's a whole nother thing. Problem solving um, together on a daily basis. Totally. It just doesn't allow you to come home and complain about your boss or your coworker <laughs> to your partner. That's, that's one problem. I can't, I can't complain about my boss when I come home. No, you got to go to, to someone my else. Boss. <laughs> <laughs> so I would agree. I think it's amazing. I think it really helps you dive in more and learn better how your partner can be most successful in work in their regular life, in their exercise and activities. So it just is that next piece that helps you become what I would say is a more complete partner. Yeah, I love it. And then the one thing that I will add, like as the challenge aspect, right, is turning it off, yeah. turning work off oh, gosh, becomes yeah. a little bit more of a challenge for us. So it's like intentionally what activities and things are we going to do together that we aren't allowed to talk about work and we're not yeah. allowed to bring things up. So mm. that I will say, like sometimes turning things off gets a little muddy and we're still figuring out the quote unquote balance of that. Yeah. This weird integration of work and life. And when you live with the person that you also work with and are partners with them in work and life, it is an interesting integration on when you plan that intentional time. So that's another thing, making sure that you plan the intentional personal time around when you're working, even if you do like to sometimes work later or bring up work discussions later on in the day. Like It's just a matter of us understanding when to do that with each other. Yep. Last question. So I'm going to kind of like group a bunch of questions that I got together <laughs> because I got a lot on... And I know that I have a lot of my women following me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I got a lot of questions on pelvic floor, pelvic mm. health, um, for like how to know what you're trying to do with the, your pelvic floor and, and then diastasis recti as well. So these were like, you're not alone. First of all, I will say um, you, I've gotten a lot of questions about this and We've done some podcasts with pelvic floor therapists now. So we've done two podcasts with pelvic floor. 
Yeah, 105 with us, Marcy. Marcy. And LaShonda, which is like 101. LaShonda, we did. Oh, she's not technically a pelvic floor therapist, but she works with women. Yeah, she's a physical therapist who loves working with yeah. women. And we're, we're going to have more as we go down. But ultimately, you know, it is so common, right? It's something that a lot of women are going through with understanding the, the pelvic floor and whether it's urinary incontinence, pain with sex, um, a lot of th- these different issues. So there's help. <laughs> if you can look in your network or Google pelvic floor physical therapy near you, Mm-hmm. Um, also looking on the website, pelvicguru.com, I think mm-hmm. provides uh, local, you can look up like in your area, local pelvic floor therapist, just mm-hmm. going to see someone at least once just to get an idea because there's no one perfect activation, one perfect stretch, one perfect thing. You might need relaxation. You might need coordination. You might need mm. so many different things. So working with someone in person is 100% going to be best. Yeah, that I mean, just the pelvic health, women's health game is, is huge uh, and has been growing so fast and helping so many women, I think, in ways that we just haven't been sending women to even look for help for these things previously. Yeah, no. And so just Still. women even being willing to type in and ask the question to you vers- over Instagram. I mean, that's the first step. I mean, the next thing is going to one of these sites, maybe trying to find a pelvic health therapist that you can have a over the phone consultation with or calling a pelvic health office and saying, this is what I'm going through. Do you think that you could help me out? Um, mm-hmm. The more you put yourself out there, the more you're going to find that correct person or the more likely you're going to be to find that correct person to help guide you through you know, this journey of, of healing and whatever you're going through. But the first step is just being open and willing to start the conversation. And it's exciting that we're doing that a lot more in healthcare these days. Oh my God, yes. And it's the like feeling like you need to go to the bathroom when you're jump work or jump roping or working out is common but doesn't have to be normal it is yeah. not a normal occurrence after every pregnancy or without even being pregnant right so go with meet with a good physical therapy physical therapist pelvic floor therapist um they are trained specifically to be able to help with this kind of uh, thing mm-hmm. that might be going on. I mean, who are other pelvic health PTs online that we follow that would be helpful to Mothers take a look at? Mothers in Motion. Mothers in Motion. Carrie Pagliano. Yep. She's somebody Carrie who's a, always been a, you know, a mentor of mine and is really, she does this thing, Mythbuster Monday, and I love it, where she puts up some sort of myth. Like you said, it's normal to leak when I jump rope. Yeah. The things that are common, not normal. And yes. so she she has a lot of these things on her page where she just busts myths that you might read one and be like, hey, that's me. And then you can read in a little bit on how she might want to help empower people to step out of that belief. Yeah. There's a lot of cool ones that are out in the interwebs now and just oh, continuing yeah. to put out information to to continue to explore. And that's always what we talk about, right? Continuing to explore, not accepting that as normal mm. and and working for yourself. Oh, I was going to say like someone, she let me know that she was having previous uh, moments of feeling like she needed to rush to the restroom after workouts Mm. and then doing the 30 day challenge actually already Mm. within 30 days, noticing that she could do a workout and not feel like she had to go run to the restroom. And I was like, that is the most powerful statement because Not once do we just talk about pelvic floor. Totally. That's just general movement and core stuff. Yep. 
and and workout in general, mobility, core, yeah. putting it all together and understanding it within your body and the fact that it improves. What? Yeah, I've heard people say that just doing your basic core one and core two exercises has given them that understanding of the the core pelvic floor complex in a way that they've never understood before. Yeah. The, the blueberry cue, the <laughs> infamous blueberry cue. Um, so yeah, the, the breath Exciting. work and the core work within the optimal body is amazing. Final question? Yeah. So final question that I got uh, that I was excited about because our users love Vivo Barefoot. People just have been lighting up about Vivo lately and we get lots of questions about so what's the difference between the different types or can you talk us through the different types of shoes and what your favorites are or what the differences might be? Yeah. So, any favorites? Definitely. Um, I wear my knits on a daily basis. So whether I'm walking around, I'm lifting, I'm whatever I'm doing, like literally I wear my knits all the time. I have mm. a green, a white, a black. I think I have another black pair coming. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> they keep changing them a little bit as well. So like I have knits that are two years old that people will ask me about, and I'm like, I'm sorry, these are not available anymore, but they still have yeah. a different type of knit available. So I will say those are my favorite. I'm traditionally a six and a half in America, and they don't have a six and a half. Vivo, come on, work with me here. <laughs> um, so I do, a, I, I go down actually for the knits because they have a little bit more room. Yeah. So I go down half a size. I do a size six for my knits, but everything else in Vivo, I go up, I go to a size seven. So that's just a little feedback for me. Yeah, the knits are great. I love the knits, especially for more of the casual looking shoe. I, I don't usually work out or exercise in my knits as much. Um, I would say that I wear 13 usually US and I get 13s for them. So I don't know. I haven't noticed much of a difference. Um, I would say one of my favorites is probably the Primus Light. It's kind of just like mm -hmm. their standard shoe. I love it because it's great for casual, but also does great for workouts or exercising. Again, all of their shoes, the 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 knit and just the normal Primus Light, they have this wide, thin, and flexible profile. And that's like what all Vivos make their hallmark on. They're wide, so it has space for your toes. They're thin, so that your foot can still feel the floor and mm -hmm. connect with the floor using your proprioception. Ooh. And they're flexible so that our toes and our foot can actually move through the ranges that we're supposed to. And so we can get all of our beautiful toe extension and stuff. So those are the three things that we look for in all the Vivos. Mm -hmm. I'd probably say Primus is my favorite because it's a classic. They always have different and cool colors and it's good for anything, casual or workout. However, Dom tears through his I'm Primus rough light on my shoes. so quickly. <laughs> so, so often I'm like, you need a new pair. <laughs> I'm just rough on all my shoes. So I try to use just one because then I can tear through that one really fast. Yeah. But then the rest of mine stay relatively okay. But <laughs> one thing I really got to say, I, I am a huge fan of seeing what Vivo is doing lately is they are a few different things they're developing new shoes that with the earth and the environment in mind always as well as the communities that they're making those shoes from mm -hmm. in mind i mean they they made a bunch of shoes with partnerships with uh communities in africa mm -hmm. they are now making these shoes called the bloom series mm -hmm. that they're using harmful algae blooms these blue green algae blooms that just suck oxygen out of our environment and they're taking and harvesting all that algae and creating shoes out of it. Mm -hmm. So it's helping our environment, it's helping our marine life, and we're creating shoes a little more sustainably. So 
they're doing things to create this shoe, this bloom that is meant to maybe be used in the water. You can use it as kind of a water shoe. But while they're doing that, they're helping clean up the water. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool how they're giving back while they're trying to give us good products. They're really, really great shoes. We've been using them. We used them at the lake and then we've used them like rapid or what is that called again? Whitewater rafting. <laughs> yes. Thank you. We used them for whitewater rafting. And I mean, they're yeah. good shoes. They're like legit water shoes that stay on your feet, but feel good and are flexible and just perfect for the water. Those were great. So especially if you're going to be like hiking in a really wet area, that's mm. like a great shoe. The hiking shoes we've used, both mm-hmm. of them now, the tra- the Primus Trail and the Tracker Forest. Yeah. Uh, both great. Tracker Forest, if you're doing more like intense hiking, so like you're yeah. really going into some just more That one could go backpacking hikes. with you. Yeah, like exactly. That one could, you could be going on 14, 15 mile backpacks. Yep. And the thing that I love about that one is Yes, it still has a bottom you can feel the ground through, but they've gone really aggressive with mm-hmm. the hiking bottom. So it actually really has good grip on it. You're not going to step on a sharp rock and still like feel it poking the bottom exactly. of your foot. It has a little more protection versus some of their other hiking shoes. They haven't had as aggressive of a bottom. So they're great more for like trails, but not like really aggressive hiking. So the Tracker Forest, amazing. Yeah, exactly. So you know, we've talked about our favorites and everything. I will say as well, like because the shoe is, it has that wider toe box, but it's not just about the wide toe box. It's also about no heel. So it's not like pushing you forward or Mm -hmm. doing anything. It's making you use your own foot. So what if you, if you do have kids, like what if you got them into a shoe like this sooner in life Mm -hmm. so that they're not dealing with problems later on down the road or compensating based on their shoes or what they've been sticking their feet into? And I love watching my friends have their, their like Jill, Jill Miller. Yeah. She has her kids in vivos every day. And I think mm. it's such an awesome. And I can't wait till we have our little babies <laughs> and we're doing the same. So I will say yeah. like, not only for yourself, but think about how your kids are, are running around and walking around school in shoes all day. Mm. If you can, Vivo Barefoot, Optimal 15, 15% off. Yeah, use code Optimal 15 for sure. Get your discount. I just, I would encourage people to stray away from, you know, you hear it all the time when you talk to people about like a bunion or about the pinky toe curling under, people will just say like, my foot's always been like that. Mm -hmm. Look at your kid's foot right now, (laughs) especially if they're like one to three years old. Look at their foot right now. It's probably beautiful. It probably splays out like little gorilla toes or anything or something like that. Um, and try to afford their foot the proper environment to keep developing, to keep developing so that they have all that amazing dexterity and try not to have your kids' feet develop in that same way where they will only remember their foot with a pinky toe that curls under and yeah. a bunion. Instead, let's start young. Yeah, exactly. So grab your Vivo Barefoot. I know it's, remember that these shoes are an investment into your health. Right, their investment into your body. Uh, we know that wearing them for over six months will afford you 60% more foot strength. And it takes time to build into. So especially if you've gone from comfort, break in vivos over time, you have a 100-day free trial. So you can, t- not yeah. free, but a 100-day trial, you can take them back in exchange if you need to. Um, mm-hmm. Give yourself time. This is, this is working into a barefoot shoe. So yeah. be mindful, be cautious of that. But try them out give your body the opportunity to feel something different yeah and thanks for always asking questions about the vivo we're glad other people are loving them because 
Jen and I, again, we're both over two years in now on primarily wearing Vivos and we've noticed huge changes in our feet, in our ankles, in the way that we do certain movements. So we want to try and afford that to everybody. So sweet. That's been kind of fun answering random questions. Yeah, we want to do this more often. It's it's quick, it's easy, um, and it gives us ideas of what we can expand on in the future as well. So thank you. Just love getting to do a whole episode based on questions from you, the audience. This is what Jen and I put these episodes out for to answer any questions y'all might have. So if you have any others, pop into our DMs, leave questions there, even better, Go to your favorite podcasting app, leave a rating and review and leave any questions or future guests that you might want in there because we have so many more of these podcasts coming at you in future weeks. 